and welcome to the LMA podcast featuring thought-provoking conversations with legal marketing and business experts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, my name is Bethany Shafalo. I am a vice president on the PR team at Jaffe. Welcome to the LMA PR and Communications SIG podcast, Diversity Communications, Best Practices and Perspectives from Two In-House Pros. As we commemorate Black History Month and Women's History Month, and because the topic of diversity is ever-evolving and growing in prominence so much in the legal industry, we thought it would be very fitting to host a session based on internal and external communications, specifically involving diversity. So here with me, I have two in-house diversity pros who are going to provide us with both regional and national and international insights into the strategies and vehicles and challenges of diversity communications. So Nicole Bartlett is the manager of diversity and inclusion at Deckert based in Washington, DC. Before stepping into this current role, she specialized in marketing communications and global positions at both Deckert and Hogan levels. When she's not focused on building community within the workplace and with clients, She is busy keeping up with her two daughters and husband and tries to sneak in the occasional run or exercise class. Stephanie Greider is the Senior Manager of Diversity and Communication Community Initiatives at Warren Van Allen, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Stephanie oversees efforts related to building and sustaining an equitable workplace, working closely with leaders across the company to develop and expand programs that support recruitment, retention, and promotion of the firm's talent. Before joining Warren Van Allen, she worked as a diversity coordinator for the Mecklenburg County Bar and as the legislative editor for the American Bar Association Governmental Affairs Office. When not working, Stephanie enjoys spending time with her husband and son and getting out to enjoy the beautiful Carolina. So thank you so much, Nicole and Stephanie, for joining us. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you for having us. Exciting. Absolutely. So to kick things off. I would love to hear, um, and we can start with Stephanie, how did you wind up in this role at Morrington Allen? Yeah, so I have been in the diversity and inclusion space for about 12 years in the legal profession, which blows my mind. Some days that feels like a lifetime, and some days like I feel like <laughs> I'm just getting started. But it's sort of yeah. been a natural evolution. So you mentioned I was with the American Bar Association, and that was early on in my career. And I was at that point, researching and reporting um, policies, federal policies that were of interest to the organized bar, which if you're curious, that's, that's, there's a lot of interest. So hundreds of thousands <laughs> of topics, but by and large, what I was researching and, and, and reporting on were policies of inequity, about bias in many different facets, be it employment or labor, certainly judiciary and within the criminal justice system. So it really gave this nice foundation for where where my career would go. I was looking for more program and um, on hands-on uh, opportunity, and I was in the midst of a move to Charlotte. And I was lucky enough to secure the first position at the local bar, Mecklenburg County Bar, for their first diversity coordinator role, which was fantastic. Um, and that's where the diversity and inclusion base really, where I really got my, my feet wet and into it. Um, I was fortunate the bar had already put in place this great diversity program. And it was my role to sort of bring life to what the volunteers had done. So I was putting in place a benchmarking report, um, a clerkship program, some mentoring opportunities, and really continued to develop there. And then jumped to Morin Van Allen about eight years ago, where I continued to support the work of the diversity committee. It, it is in itself a 
diverse role, and that's what makes it so fascinating and unique and really no two days look alike, and that's really one of the best things about this role in addition to just doing really important and good work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And you've, So it's been how many years total for you in the diversity? Twelve, round? 12 years total, almost 12 years. Oh, yes. wow. Okay, that's awesome. Um, thank you for sharing. Nicole, how about you? Yeah, of course. So I'm coming from this at a, the opposite end of the spectrum. I've been in my current role for less than a year in the diversity space. So it was a bit of a happenstance how I came to my role. So I'd been a marketing communications professional for 20 years, mostly in the legal industry, and was looking for a change to shake things up, but I wasn't sure if it would be a change in industry or something different. I'd been at Deckert for about seven years at that point, and a colleague of mine on the DNI team just happened to mention that they were creating a new position because their team was small, but they just needed more help. And I thought, wow, that would be really cool because I love the firm, I love the people, but I really wanted something a little bit different. So it was just a really nice way to kind of segue over to the DNI space. Um, and there's just so many synergies between marketing communications and DNI. And because of my strong understanding of the firm's culture and the value that diversity brought to Deckard's brand, both internally and externally, it was just a, you know, it was an easy fit. And I had done so much work already with the recruiting teams and the DNI teams. Um, in relation to marketing, so it wasn't like learning a whole new team or people or goals or um, anything like that. So it's it's been a really nice mm-hmm. transition, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great. So, Nicole, what is your approach to internal and external communications involving diversity? So as a global firm, we're always trying to be inclusive and sensitive to a very wide variety of cultures and needs and people. So we try to utilize multiple channels to share news because we know everybody is super busy and it's easy to miss emails, although we do still send emails. Our internal comms team puts out a weekly newsletter on Fridays, which is really well read. And so I think we often will wait for the newsletter to highlight different diversity-related news like awards and lawyer recognitions and upcoming events. So that's the first place we'll often start. We also use lock screens to raise awareness. So like now we're running one for Black History Month. Sometimes it's a bit of a history lesson. This year actually marks the 150th anniversary of voting rights for African Americans and the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, securing women's right to vote. So that's what this week's box screen is actually about. It just launched last night. But it's funny because we are a global firm. We have to remember that Black History Month actually falls another time of year in the UK. So it's not mm-hmm. just like a one and done. And so we're always trying to be sensitive to our global audience and making sure that whatever we are promoting that, you know, we give it some context too, because it might not be um, so clear to people on the other side of the world. We also Mm -hmm. work really closely with our affinity groups to present a wide variety of speaker programs. They're often open to both employees and clients. So later this month, we're hosting Kevin Richardson from the Exonerated Five, also known as the Central Park Five for Black History Month. And then we're going to be hosting... um, Patty Kay and Claire Shipman, authors of The Confidence Code for International Women's Day. So these events are usually held in one of our larger offices like New York or D.C. or London, and then we'll telecast the event to our other offices so as many people as possible can participate. And then we'll also record them and make them available on replay on our Internet so for people in different time zones, um, they can still access. 
information and learn about it too. And then lastly, mm -hmm. I wanted to mention we have an annual internal awards program where anyone can nominate a Deckert lawyer or business service professional. We call it our Diversity Champions Award. And there's a lot of internal comms that go along with the program from emails from the firm chair encouraging people to nominate their colleagues to posters to an internal website. Um, it launched for the first time last year, and we had more than 100 nominations, which was fantastic. And then we wow. five. Yeah. Winners out of those, which was really cool, and then we announced it at our annual All Hands event, and then each honoree gets a $10,000 bonus. So it's pretty exciting. There's lots, yeah. lots of different things we're doing to try to get through the clutter because it's just so busy and yeah. try to keep it interesting. Sounds like you guys are doing some amazing things, definitely. Stephanie, how about you? How would you describe your approach to internal and external communications with diversity? Yeah, I would say that internally and externally, our, our approach is largely succinct with a few few caveats. Internally, you know, we are focused on awareness and engagement. We are a regional firm, firm, so most of our employees are located here in Charlotte. We do have a Charleston office as well, but we're still very spread out. So, you know, we're putting out communications through different mediums to make sure folks know how they can jump in, how they can get involved, and what, what we work we are doing through the committee. You know, it can get so lost in everyone's busy days that to trying to cut through the clutter, as was said, is, is, is our priority of trying to get to the top of folks' minds and keep diversity in the framework of, of all of our employees. From an external perspective, it's also awareness, but it's also largely driven by, I would say, legal departments over the past couple of years in that they're looking for what are you doing, but what progress has been made. So we do try to make that information as easy to digest when folks are visiting our website or our social media platforms. You know, it doesn't have to be grand scale stats or projects, but people definitely want to know, everyone's investing in diversity and inclusion. What have you done that's actually making a change? And sometimes it can be really hard to figure out what company cultures are doing in that um, respect. So we do try to make it a little bit easier for um, our external audiences to understand what the change is that we're, we're making and how we're investing. Yeah, that's great. So how are you both responding to clients when they are coming to you and asking really tough diversity questions? I mean, I just think the the awareness of this is so prominent and just continuing to grow. So, you know, I know that clients are coming to firms with those tough questions. Stephanie, kind of piggybacking on what you said, do you have any specific measures or kind of talking points in place or what does that look like for you? We definitely have a framework in place uh, that we start with, but you know, every client, of course, is different, has different focus areas, and we try to be as prepared to have that information ready to go. We do use the ABA Model Diversity Survey. It's a great framework as a starting point from a demographic standpoint to just quickly pull that out and say, this is our base, what is the client requesting, how can we modify to meet their needs? But by and large, the survey process and the benchmarking process is so important not only from the client side, but from our side, it helps us also measure against ourselves. So it, mm -hmm. it's tremendously important and it's changing. It continues to change the game. And I, in fact, really delight that legal departments are taking a more progressive stand and, and getting a little bit more rooted in their questions and, and getting down to the nitty gritty because it only makes all of us stronger in sort of how we respond and what we're doing and where we take our, our programming. Yeah, absolutely. Nicole, how about you? How are you responding? To our approaches. Very similar. We start with uh, key points and messages, and then we're always tweaking mm -hmm. it based on the request and 
what we want to emphasize for a particular client or survey. Um, one thing that recently struck me as very interesting was that we also work with our recruiting and lateral recruiting teams, and mm-hmm. one of our potential lateral partner candidates was comparing some data points that the recruiting team had shared with them to, I think it was like an AMLA diversity scorecard and questioning why certain things didn't match up. It turns out they were both accurate, but they were just covering different mm-hmm. time periods. But I was just really mm-hmm. struck by how closely a candidate really dove into the information yeah. and was checking yeah. everything we sent to mm-hmm. her. I mean, I just thought that was fantastic that there's so much attention um, paid to it. So it's just, it was mm-hmm. a good reminder for all of us. You know, we're always trying to be accurate, but, you know, people actually are looking at it. So <laughs> check everything before it goes out the door. That's right. Yeah. So on kind of a related note, as far as the external audiences here, Nicole, how do you handle media inquiries that pertain to diversity initiatives or numbers? So we have a really robust media team, both in the U.S. and in Europe. So we usually defer any inquiries to them, but we will work really mm-hmm. closely with the media team on preparing talking points or pulling together data, depending on what the inquiry is. So I would say um, we defer to them, but we definitely work closely with them on shaping the mess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stephanie, how about on your end? Yeah, it's very similar. If we do get a media request, we're quick to pull in our third-party public relations vendor who's fantastic. And, you know, they're so good. At this point, we would always put an an attorney to respond if it's a request for a quote or for an article. And our external team is so great about prepping them if they're not familiar with journalists and kind of doing a mock interview. And, And we really rely heavily on our external public relations team to get them set and making them feel comfortable for that scenario and being the liaison between the media outlet and us and and making sure that we are getting our message out there as accurately as possible. Yeah. So Stephanie, how would you say your diversity communications have evolved over the past several years? And then related to that, what would you like to change or improve in the years to come? I think that we've done a pretty steady and static job of of doing the annual report, which has been our go-to for several years, and it's a great summary and it's a great product to have on the shelf, but you're somewhat limited that you only have so much time before that information becomes old and, and a little bit irrelevant that social media, like so many industries, has just changed the game for us in terms of diversity and inclusion. We can be more fluid and more flexible. We can respond to trends uh, a little bit easier. Uh, We're still getting used to the space from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, but it's certainly one that we're leveraging more and more. It also allows us to tell the story a little bit better. You know, so much of what we're doing is connecting with one another in the diversity and inclusion space. And I do feel like social media allows us to do that a little bit more, um, a little bit more frequently too. So again, we're trying to maximize it as much as possible. In the coming years, I'd love for us to leverage video a little bit more. That's not a space that we're entirely comfortable with as a firm overall. But I think from a, a DNI perspective, sharing people's stories to the extent they're comfortable doing so is so impactful, not only from our employees, but for those who might want to come work here too. What's your culture like? Who's working with you? Uh, I think a, a sort of a video enabling that aspect could be really interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. Nicole, how about you? Well, I would say, again, just very similar. We actually are working on a DNI video right now that we're hoping to launch um, in the next month or so. But we're also mm-hmm. doing something kind of different internally for the first time. We're launching an internal diversity and inclusion week as part of our culture initiative. 
probably going to be in June, and the goal is really to increase awareness about CNI and resources at the firm and just to promote a more inclusive culture around the firm. We're pretty big. We're in lots of different countries and 26 different offices, and so just, you know, as a firm, we have a lot of diverse cultures within us. So we have a lot of fun activities planned. For example, in each local office, we're going to bring in food courts, food carts or a local cuisine and have people try different foods that they might not be accustomed to eating for lunch every day. Um, another cool. day we're going to have like a Jeopardy-style quiz with teams competing around the globe to answer D&I questions. We're also looking into bringing in a professor to give a talk about cultural norms and cultural differences around the world. So we have a lot of fun stuff planned. I think that'll be exciting, and hopefully it's success and that will make it make it an annual program for the firm, too. Yeah, yeah that sounds really nice. What are some of the other, I know that we've covered here and there some of them, but Nicole, what are some of the other diversity tactics, communications tactics that you employ? Gosh, um, so we actually, we just did our first annual report that we launched in January. We did it electronically, and we got so many requests for it that we turned it into a nice brochure that we can include mm -hmm. with client pitches and proposals as well. Um, but I think mm -hmm. we hit all the main ones, you know, PR, social media. We're working on our new intranet site. We're trying to always beef up our external website. Uh -huh. I think it's just the biggest challenge is just the volume of everything and making sure the messages and the statistics are consistent across so many channels because it is always changing, mm -hmm. and we want to make sure we're presenting the latest and greatest information um, in a concise manner across the board. Mm -hmm. Yes, with a lot of, of moving parts and pieces. <laughs> Stephanie, how about you? What other diversity communication tactics haven't we heard from you on yet? Yeah, I think the only other one I would add is that we do um, work with our internal communications team and our external PR team in, in elevating the visibility of our underrepresented attorneys to the extent they want to be, whether that's through awards or different articles, if they want to jump into the space of diversity and inclusion, making sure they're well supported to do that and that they have the visibility that they're seeking. Uh, but mm -hmm. with all things, we want to make sure we do that in a very sensitive manner. And we only do that if the individual is comfortable doing so. You know, we're never going to put someone up just for an award, just for the visibility's purpose. We want to make sure we're doing right by our attorneys and leveraging their practice that makes sense for them in a space that makes mm -hmm. sense for them and who they are authentically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So switching gears a little bit, Stephanie, what are some of the challenges that you have faced in diversity communications, whether internal or external? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges that we have is that diversity and inclusion requires a lot of good work. And when you see progress, it might be small and you, you want to celebrate it, but you do have to be cautious that you know, when you're communicating to be it a, a new hire or a client that if you had a great year in your demographics or maybe you've launched a new program that you're continuing to express that you are evolving and this is a, a part of a journey that you haven't reached a destination. And I think sometimes we can get into a, a we're touting all of these great diversity and inclusion investments, which we should be doing, but there's a misconception that, you know, if an organization is touting all these good things and they might have a misstep, you know, are they really doing right by what they've they've committed to or their mission in this work? So it's always sort of, again, leading with that authenticity of we're trying our best. Here's where we made progress. Here's where we need to focus on in the next coming years and being as, as transparent as we can be about what we're working on. We don't have it figured out, but we're doing our best, and here's what we're doing. 
to get there. So I find that to be one of the biggest challenges in our communications. And as I spoke to just a second ago, if we're talking about an individual attorney, regardless of their background, making sure we're sure we're doing it in an authentic manner and telling their story in a way they want it represented. So, Nicole, what efforts are you most proud of to date and why? So I'll share two examples with you. Um, For the first time this past July, Deckert became Mansfield Plus certified. Mansfield measures whether lawyers have affirmatively considered a candidate pool of at least 30% diverse lawyers, and that could be women, lawyers of color, lawyers with disabilities, veterans, LGBTQ status, um, and whether we consider them for partner promotions, senior lateral hiring, appointments to firm leadership positions, for example, on policy committee or office managing partner type roles. It's an initiative that was launched by the Diversity Lab, which is an incubator focused on DNI issues in the legal industry. It's named mm-hmm. for Arabella Mansfield, who is the first woman admitted to the legal profession in the U.S., which I think is pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah. But our participation, yeah, but our participations really helped us to increase formal discussions among firm leadership about broadening the pool of candidates for positions, and I think it's brought some transparency to the process that people that we use to elect people to certain positions. And it's also just been nice to demonstrate to clients that we don't just talk the talk, but we walk the walk, and we're mm-hmm. highlighting our involvement in Mansfield and pitches and proposals and our recruiting materials. We also got a bit of a PR boost from it when it was announced. Um, we were one of 64 firms, I believe, that were certified, and it got picked up quite a bit in the legal press. So that was a nice um, plus that we weren't expecting as well. Mm-hmm. The second example I'll share with you is our inclusive leadership training program. We actually just wrapped up the first phase of it this past week. So the first phase started in 2018 at our partner retreat. All of our firm leaders went through this intense, interactive, inclusive leadership training, and then we carried on the discussion um, at their weekly partner lunches for the past year and a half. And topics ranged from anything on affinity bias to attribution bias, covering in and out groups, priming, unconscious bias. There's a lot of good stuff we packed in there. Um, And then we decided in 2020 that we were going to expand the training to all of our associates and business service professionals as well. So we just finished launching that. We had something like 50 different sessions across all of our offices. Some of them were live. Some of them were done via video conference. But it was mandatory, so we had very high participation. But despite it being mandatory, we also got really good feedback from people. They were excited Mm to you know, see that the firm was investing in this and to have new tools that they could use to spark new conversations. We actually partnered with an outside company called Steps, who uses drama to teach behavioral change. And so we had worked with them to create these vignette videos to um, at a fictitious law firm that we called Spellman's, and they would go over these different scenarios <laughs> of people maybe being not so inclusive and then have conversations about, okay, well, what could people do to call out behavior or act in a more positive way? And it was all presented in a very positive way, you know, not that Decker mm-hmm. is bad in any way, but, you know, how do we get our culture from being good to great? And so, mm-hmm. um, like I mentioned, the feedback's just been really positive, and it's been nice that the firm's investing so much in training. And we're actually just starting now to plan a second session for this fall for everybody as it's meant to be a an ongoing conversation. We definitely don't want it to be a one-and-done type training. Um, so those are the two things that I've definitely been most proud of in my, my short time in the DNI space. 
Yes, those are great. Kudos to you. Um, and I think the kind of the role playing one, especially, I mean, you can't really beat having something kind of played out before your very eyes. So that um, sounds like a very innovative initiative. Um, Stephanie, how about you? What efforts are you most proud of? Yeah, so over the past couple of years, we've, well, I should say, we've always been strategic in sort of our expanding our outreach to uh, different populations in terms of recruitment. But we we noticed, um, we sat down and looked at our numbers for new hire recruitment, and we found that diverse candidates uh, were coming in through non-traditional routes for us. So outside of our on-campus interviews, outside of our flyback process, um, we were we were sourcing our diversity candidates through different clerkships, different initiatives we had signed on to. So it it, it prompted us to take a hard look at sort of what we were doing and, and what we could modify to sort of uh, amend what we were seeing in the demographics and those coming into the firm. And so a few years ago, we launched a spring break diversity clerkship. We hosted that for two years with much success um, and had a great, great yield um, from those two years. But then we, we also continued to evaluate that process and realized by the time the students were coming to us in spring break, most of them had already secured summer uh, employment and that we, again, needed to sort of get ahead and, and expand our outreach mm-hmm. on an earlier front. So we, we put aside that program, although successful, and we launched our diversity conference and diversity scholarship program, which now take place in January, which just allows us... Uh, um, more time to get in front of candidates to introduce ourselves, um, to have uh, candidates look at the Charlotte market and look at more of Van Allen a little bit more seriously. Uh, we are sandwiched between Atlanta and Washington, D.C., so we do fight a little bit for visibility, and this, uh, these mm-hmm. programs sort of elevate uh, our, our profile in that front. Uh, we have been tremendously successful in that regard. Last year, we uh, hit 50% uh, female representation on associates, which we were thrilled about and want to maintain that, that level of visibility. It is fantastic. Yeah. And we're still seeing yields from even the spring break uh, clerkship. Uh, 20% of our new hire class, both in 2019 and 2020, have also been sourced through that that effort. So, you know, I wow. think um, one of our overall themes is that even though it's set in place, we continue to evaluate the progress and um, continue to f- refine our efforts as we move forward. hmm I would also say, you know, many law firms in the Amlaw 200 camp have secured the uh, Corporate Equality Index uh, 100%. Um, uh, best places to work uh, nod, and we have as well, which we're really proud about for a regional firm. Um, we're only one of two companies in Charlotte to have that designation. So I, I think law firms are the number one industry to respond to that survey, and that survey um, highlights uh, policies and practice in support of LGBTQ employees, and we are very proud to continue that designation and, and uphold the standards of the of the Corporate Equality Index. Yeah. Wow, that speaks to the efforts of, of you both and, of course, the, the support of your firms. But, yes, kudos to you both. Those are great, um, great initiatives. And, you know, clearly the successes are there. So that's awesome. Nicole, jumping back to you, as we kind of wrap things up and we've touched on just so many great things today, um, are there any specific best practices or lessons learned or advice you would like to share with the listeners? So I would say my big lesson learned and or advice, and this comes not just from my my time in the DNI space, but also in marketing communications, is to just triple check everything. It's such a high priority area, both internally and externally. There's so many eyes looking at it, and the data and the messaging just has to be spot on. So that's mm-hmm. my advice. Yeah, a great 
you know, a great PR 101 overall lesson as well, as far as uh, checking everything so thoroughly. Stephanie, how about you? Best practices or advice you'd like to share? Yeah, I have two. So I, I would say in all my time in sort of doing this diversity and inclusion work that the legal profession has been wholly collaborative, whether it was competitor law firms or legal departments, you know, we're all sort of in this together and, and working to improve the profession as a whole. And I found that, you know, if you're thinking of starting a new program or if something similar is happening in a different market or even in your own market, you know, reach out to others who have been there and are doing it. I have found they're always happy to share and provide advice or provide you a framework of how to get started. Um, there's no mm -hmm. reason to reinvent the wheel, although you might make tweaks and modify for your own culture, you making a few phone calls and, and connecting with folks, you'll find that many are more than willing to support you in your work um, as you move forward with diversity and inclusion initiatives. My other would be that it is a journey, that there is no final destination, and that some days the, the burnout is real, and it can take years to see progress as evidenced by our initiatives we just put in place. You know, it took several years to see the yield of our demographics changing, and you, you kind of got to hang in there, and some days you think, is this mm -hmm. worth it? And it is. But it it's really good at that point to have a, a strong team, which we do here at Moore and Val, and that you can support one another and continue to reignite the fire when it starts to burn out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think your point about not always needing to reinvent the wheel, I mean, certainly that is what the LMA community is all about. Um, it's such a great community of professional network of so many people who can pick up the phone and just pick their brain or reference something that they did in the past. So I think that's a great point. Are there any points or angles of, of what you guys are doing that we haven't touched on that you'd like to add? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Hmm. Stephanie, I'll punt this to you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I, we covered a lot today. I would only say, and this is a very high-level aspect, I'm so encouraged by where we are in the conversation in this space. When I started, we mm -hmm. largely focused on gender and race, and today it is all things um, from veteran status to sexual orientation and identities, and I just love that we continue to expand the conversation. And as I mentioned, uh, the legal departments, the clients, they're, they're driving a lot of this change, and, and I love that, and I love that they're driving the change to be as inclusive as we can be um, with everyone within our workforce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I cannot thank you both enough for um, your time and for these valuable, thoughtful perspectives. Um, I know that our listeners will have some incredible takeaways, both on the micro and macro levels, just involving authenticity and transparency and, you know, accuracy and, and benchmarking and, and just continual improvement, cutting through the clutter. I think we just really touched on some great things. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning into this episode. And because we just scratched the surface really of this whole topic, we are so open to any feedback or questions. Feel free to reach out to myself or to Stephanie or to Nicole using the information that is provided on your screen. And we would love to jump back in this conversation with you. So again, thank you, Stephanie and Nicole, and look forward to all of your feedback. Thanks. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That concludes another installment of the LMA podcast. To discover all that LMA has to offer, visit legalmarketing.org. 
For links to content featured in this episode, please check out the show notes. If you like the podcast and want to help others find us, we hope you'll take the time to subscribe to it and rate us on iTunes. Thank you and have a great day.